The New Thing Youth Church is a generation of students destined to change the world through God's power and love. If you're between 7th and 12th grade, join us every week for fun, relationships, and the Word of God. The New Thing Youth Church meets at the Parkway Worship Center every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. and Sunday night at Vieira High School at 6 p.m. Check out our TNT Youth Church app for more details. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Morning Breath podcast. If you did, we would love for you to give it a thumbs up and share it with a friend. To follow along with our daily chapter list and for quick access to East Coast podcasts, events, and more, download the East Coast app. It's the best way to stay connected with everything East Coast. We would also love for you to join our online community. Just search for East Coast Christian Center on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for listening to the Morning Breath podcast.
You're listening to WMIE, Coco, Merritt Island, Melbourne, Titusville, and the Beaches, 91.5 FM, as well as W272BA, Coco Beach, and Vieira, FM 102.3. Recent scientific studies touting the benefits of medical transitioning for those with gender dysphoria are joining the long history of so-called science. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. This is Breakpoint. From the beginning, proponents of the sexual revolution have wrapped themselves in the mantle of science, especially social science. For example, in the 1950s, the Kinsey reports helped normalize a whole range of sexual behaviors. They were the source of that still often quoted statistic that 10% of people are same-sex oriented. Both that figure and the methodology behind Kinsey's so-called research has long ago been discredited. Still, that 10% number just sticks in some people's heads. A new wave of studies in recent years paint a rosy picture about the benefits of medical transitions for people with gender dysphoria. So much so that, as Paul Dirks recently said at Public Discourse, lifelong experimental medicalization, sterilization, and complete removal of healthy body parts, no longer a rarity. It's now the recommended treatment for gender dysphoria. But what if those studies are like the Kinsey reports? What if they reflect the bias and agendas of the authors rather than reality? Well, given what's at stake, this is a vitally important question, especially since social science itself is in the midst of what's called a replication crisis. In other words, when researchers try to replicate the findings of studies in the social sciences, they often cannot. This failure of replication even includes studies regarded as canonical in some fields. So how can we distinguish between what's solid research and what won't withstand further scrutiny when it comes to the so-called settled science of gender transitioning? Paul Dirk's public discourse article titled Transition as Treatment, The Best Studies Show the Worst Outcomes sums up the results of his deep dive into this research. Dirks defines best studies as those that have followed people who underwent medical transition for the longest period of time. It's well recognized in the literature, Dirk states, that the year after medical gender transition is a, quote, honeymoon period, which does not represent a realistic picture of long-term sexual and psychological status. Yet, most of the popular gender transition studies are limited to just a few years following the transitioning. Many of the studies, Dirk states, are fraught with design problems like small sample sizes, short study lengths, enormously high dropout rates, to name just three. The problem so bad, one systematic review of the literature rated only two out of 29 studies as high quality. In contrast, the best-designed and most rigorous studies, whose results are most likely to stand up over time, found that medical transition was not the solution to the patient's problems, especially in the case of male-to-female transitions. They reveal much higher mortality rates due to increased rates of suicide, AIDS, drug abuse, even cardiovascular disease. In other words, when it comes to medical gender transitioning, the best studies show the worst outcomes. And the current use of shoddy social science to support medical transitioning, that's not only misleading, it's dangerous. In this case, ideology is overwhelming truth-finding. Too many researchers think they know what the data should tell us. And so they at times unconsciously and at times consciously design their studies to make sure that it does. 
Sadly, the consequences of their failure is far worse than professional embarrassment or tarnished reputations. In this case, the consequences could be permanent and deadly. For Breakpoint, I'm John Stone Street. Portions of WMIE's broadcasting day are underwritten by Mike's PC Support. Mike's PC Support offers professional and friendly on-site computer and laptop repair service. Mike is a certified IT technician who has been serving the Space Coast area for 10 years now. That's Mike's PC Support, available at 321-652-5630. Mike's motto is pick up the phone, not your computer. Mike has in-home and small business total computer services. That's Mike's PC Support, 321-652-5630 and on the web at mikespcsupport.com. Now, when Paul and Silas were in prison, they began to sing. You know why they could sing bleeding and hands and feet in stocks? It was an inner tranquility, an inner sense of confidence. My father has everything under control. And it is that sense of confidence that creates tranquility and quietness in the human heart. Are you generally joyful? Do you have peace and tranquility in your soul? If you experience those things only when life is going your way, I hope you can stay with us today for In Touch, the teaching ministry of Dr. Charles Stanley. Our just begun series, Helps to Holiness, continues now, explaining the importance of building quietness into your life every day. If you'll notice all the way back through the Bible, God used quietness in the life of his servants. When Moses, in his very noisy first 40 years of his life, attempting to do God's work in his own strength, in his own way, God set him aside and sent him to the backside of the desert, and for 40 years, Moses experienced the quietness of a shepherd. Before that, he had grown up in the noisy, tumultuous civilization of Egypt in the very height of everything that was happening. He was in the very household of the Pharaoh himself. Before God could get to Moses and prepare him for leadership for the nation of Israel, he had to get him quiet. Then slip to the New Testament to the Apostle Paul. Before Paul began his ministry, God set him aside, sent him into the desert for a period of time in order to get him out of the noise of his conversion experience the noise and the tumult of those who were after him in order to instruct him and teach him and give him a sense of direction for his life. And I want us to see in this fourth chapter of 1 Thessalonians some very specific and clear commands that God has given to us who are believers about quietness. Now, I want you to notice several things in the first of all, I want us to notice, and I hope you'll get your pencil and paper out, and first of all, let's look at this matter of the command that God gives us through the Apostle Paul to be quiet, and notice how he says it. He says, study to be quiet. Well, how in the world do you study to be quiet? He says, study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you, in order that you may walk honestly toward them that are without and that you may have lack of nothing. Now, let's look at this for a moment. 
What he's saying here is, in this phrase, study, he says, diligently pursue, endeavor, have ambition for the capacity to be quiet. Now, let me tell you what that does not mean. When he says, with the study to be quiet, that does not mean that we can't have a bubbling personality. It doesn't mean you can't be happy and charming and personable. It doesn't mean you can't laugh and enjoy life. But rather, it simply means quietness is an inner sense of rest that is based on your confidence that He has everything under control. You see, inner tranquility and quietness is based on your confidence in Him that He has everything in your life under control. Now, if you'll just take that and run it through the uh, spectrum, if He's in control of your life, there's no need to be lonely. If you're totally confident He's in control of your life, you won't be upset. If you're totally confident that He is in control of your life, you won't be worried and frustrated about life. You see, it is a study of the inner tranquility of the mind and heart regardless of outside circumstances. Listen, the worst and most destructive kind of noise is not audible noise, but mental, emotional noise. They will harass you. They will try you. They will disturb you. They will make your soul wretched on the inside. You can smile on the outside and you may fake the world out. But my friends, you're not quiet until you're quiet on the inside. And this is the kind of quietness he's speaking of here. Now, look in Psalm 46. Psalm 46. Verse 10, be still and know that I am God. That is, get quiet. Just be quiet. That is, just shut out the noises. Quiet the mind. Steal the emotion. And you see, oftentimes God is trying to say something to us, and it's not that he's not speaking. We can't hear him because there's too much static. There is emotional static, I'm afraid. Emotional static, I'm guilty. Emotional static, I'm lonely. Emotional static, I'm anxious. Emotional static, I'm frustrated. There's mental static. I'm thinking about tomorrow and yesterday and this person, that person, what I must do, this debt, that financial problem. Be still, he says, and know that I'm God. 